thank you, Tim, for the introduction. And likewise, uh, thank you, uh, all of you, for taking time out of your day today to learn a bit more about how to do comparison analysis in IPA, how to get the most out of multiple conditions and multiple data sets. I do have the obligatory disclaimer, research use only, please. I also want to point out that we really value your feedback. For example, I can see that some of you are completely new to IPA. Welcome. I hope you get a lot out of the software. Uh, I also know that IPA can be complicated. So if there are certain areas that need extra explanation, or if there are features that you just aren't quite sure about, go ahead and ask questions in the Q&A box and go ahead and let us know. I would be happy to go over things that aren't on today's agenda, especially if there's something that's relevant to your research. One other thing that I'll point out is that we are recording today's webinar, and that recording will be available to watch on demand. All you have to do is go back to today's registration link. You might have to re-enter your information, but if you do, it will allow you to view the recording uh, pretty much one or two hours after we're done today. And that recording should be live for uh, the next 30 days. So with that, let me go ahead and show some of the examples of things that we can possibly uh, learn how to do today. So this first view, I realize, is a little bit come up, a little bit complicated. But overall, something I want to show in IPA is that you have the ability to do comparison analysis. And although IPA really lets you deep dive into the pathways, the upstream regulators, the downstream diseases and functions for your individual comparisons, sometimes you can really speed up your discovery just by looking at a bunch of different conditions at the same time. So for example, in this impossible to read text, I have ulcerative colitis versus normal as my initial condition. And then I have a time course of vetalizumab treatment, as well as a single condition of infliximab. So this way, we can compare and contrast how vetalizumab works over time with how infliximab works after four to six weeks. And we can also confirm that those are the opposite of a disease versus normal profile. So when we look at this, in uh, comparison analysis in IPA, we actually are able to generate this heat map view. And this heat map view can be clustered, it can be sorted by expected trends, it can easily be sorted by just overall z-score or predictive value. Another thing that you might notice is that all of these represent canonical pathways. You can do this for pretty much any readout for IPA, whether it's your canonical pathways, your upstream regulators, causal networks, or uh, even some of your uh, downstream diseases and functions. And all of these pathways have a predicted change in activity. And in IPA, whenever we're making a prediction about activity, we show that using orange as a predicted increase in activity and blue as a predicted decrease in activity. Something that comparison analysis lets you do is at a glance, you can get a quick sense for 
which pathways seem to be uh, going up or down in activity after a given treatment. So for example, here at the very top, we can see that we have PPAR signaling as well as a gastrointestinal, uh, gastrointestinal cancer signaling pathway as something that is normally inhibited in disease, but also seems to be uh, potentially activated at the tail end of our treatments. Likewise, we can also see that we have a large number of inflammatory related pathways that are up in disease, but go down as treatment progresses. If we happen to want to focus on any of these, like in this case, I've drawn a box around IL-33 and its corresponding signaling pathway, you can always click on these entries and within IPA, you can overlay your data on top of that pathway. So here I'm overlaying the infliximab versus untreated condition to show just how infliximab uh, changes ulcerative colitis disease back to normal. And in this case, we can see that our observed changes, the things that we measured, are shown in either red for an increase over the change or green as a decrease over the two conditions. And here we can see that quite a variety of relevant uh, immunomodulators happen to be going down. And in particular, if you wanna focus on any of them, you can also create these node charts, which help you see what the levels look like for all of your observations. For all of these comparison analyses, it is possible to compare up to 20 results side by side. Now, in addition to getting overall feedback for the patterns of what's going on, this is where you can also take advantage of IPA to really filter down and focus just on biomarkers or genes that you're interested in. So for example, here I have the exact same set of experiments in my comparison analysis. This time I'm looking at causal networks, which happen to be upstream regulators, but with potential extra depth upstream. And I happen to be interested in Duo X1. So essentially what this network is, is Duo X1 is predicted to influence and affect the additional regulators of PTPN1, STAT3, STAT6, and EGFR. And then from there, these five in concert are predicted to affect many other genes and proteins that were observed in our data set. In fact, it seems to affect about 100 others. Here, by using this gene heat map view, I can very quickly open up this list of related downstream targets, and I can cluster them. I can sort them based on uh, how do they uh, distribute themselves across my conditions. And using this, I can very easily prioritize candidates I might be interested in, candidates which seem to, for example, be up early in treatment or down early in treatment. And so here I happen to highlight some of the very uh, interesting, possibly causal uh, factors that are changing. So for example, ILR, uh, IL-1RN, uh, IDO-1, NOS-2, PCK-1, 
And again, I'm just showing the node charts to show that, for example, PCK1 is down in disease versus normal, but up in our treatment over time. So being able to prioritize and filter down just on genes of interest can really save a lot of time because now instead of looking at thousands of genes, you're focusing just on a network that happens to involve hundreds of genes. And then for those hundreds of genes, you can really easily narrow it down to just a handful. What do you do once you have a handful of genes? Here, I want to show you as well today about something called Land Explorer. And Land Explorer is essentially a portal that you can access from IPA to access uh, omics data, to access how genes like DuoX1 are expressed across thousands of other human, mouse, and rat samples. And in this particular situation, I wanted to see how is DuoX1 expressed across a variety of disease states, as well as within specific tissues like uh, peripheral blood, uh, basically hematopoietic stem cells and other uh, blood-related cells, as well as, say, the ileum tissue. And by doing this, I can see that in the normal distribution for normal controls of this gene, we do seem to have quite a range. However, this range does become somewhat tissue-specific uh, and disease-specific. So for example, if I look at the normal control in ileum, I can see that there appears to be a significant difference in the expression of this gene between ulcerative colitis and normal control. So Land Explorer is a separate tool that you access through IPA. And that's something that I'll show you how to do. The other tool that I wanna show you about today is Analysis Match. And Analysis Match is using those same data sets that are in the Land Explorer portal, except this time we happen to be using the pre-computed comparisons. So just like when you created your data in IPA and you uploaded a case versus control, some sort of differential expression or differential protein level, likewise, we've taken all of these public data sets and come up with over 140,000 of these comparisons. And these are across human disease, they're across consortia like the Lynx project, TCGA, et cetera. And we also have a large amount of single cell data as well. And using this, we can search this uh, repository and use your entire experiment as the query and ask what other public experiments are similar in direction and similar in pathways and regulators and diseases and functions to your original result. And also which ones are completely opposite where they have the same pathways just in the opposite direction. So this is ultimately one of the really useful tools in IPA to try to get an understanding of what might be going on in your data set, what other uh, samples are similar. And this could be because you have a disease model and you want to know, does this seem to match uh, clinical samples? Or you might instead uh, have a treatment versus control and you might wanna know what other drugs are similar or can I repurpose this drug to treat other diseases? 
these are things that analysis match can help you with. So that was overall a brief introduction to the illustrations and the use cases that I want to be sure to go over extensively. Before I go over those four use cases in detail, however, I do want to go ahead and provide two brief, and I do mean brief, introductions. The first introduction is, what is our database? What is curated content? And how on earth does IPA work? And in addition to looking at the content that goes into IPA and Omicsoft, I also want to be sure to introduce the new features, some of the really cool things that just came out in our summer release of IPA. Once I've briefly introduced those things, I'll go ahead and pause for a question break. And then I will go ahead and get into these use cases and show you how to get the most out of your comparison analyses and also uh, what you can do to follow up on potential biomarkers in Land Explorer or follow up on your entire study using analysis match. So with that first, what is curated content and why do we manually curate public data? So in our experience, if you've ever uploaded a data set to GEO, you've probably made a mistake somewhere. I know when I was a grad student, I did K562 ChIP-seq experiments. And then when I uploaded it to GEO, I did drag and drop in Excel. And all of a sudden, my metadata was K562 cells, K563, K564, so on and so forth. It turns out that silly typos or mistakes like that happen about a third of the time. And they're not exactly the easiest for a machine learning uh, algorithm or uh, some sort of parsing tool to capture. However, if you happen to be paying scientists to read these papers, to input them into your database, they can very easily see both that there, were that there was a mistake. And in addition to seeing the mistake, they also know how to fix the mistake. However, about 5 to 10% of the time, we actually find something a bit more uh, egregious. And this uh, could be just simply samples being swapped around or uh, what will sometimes happen is, let's say there are differences between the metadata tables, the patient identifiers that were uploaded to GEO versus uploaded to the manuscripts supplemental table. Whenever we spot an issue like that, or whenever authors fix the table for their subsequent publications but leave the original table alone, we reach out to authors to try to make sure that we correct those errors before ingesting them into our data. And ultimately, that means that we have the highest quality literature uh, input uh, around. And we use that to build two types of databases. The database that you guys love using, Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, that is powered by curated research findings. Essentially, what are the relationships between two different genes, uh, genes and proteins, proteins and drugs, uh, and then drugs and downstream diseases? So all of these relationships came from experiments that uh, a scientist read and cataloged. Likewise, in addition to curating the findings, the conclusions, we also curate the raw data itself. And in this case, we take those RNA-seq experiments, those microarray experiments, proteomics experiments, uh, 
And we will reanalyze them and normalize them so that they're cross comparable. And these ultimately can be accessed directly using something like Land Explorer, or you can look at the uh, resulting meta analyses of those public uh, data sets. Just to reiterate what IPA is backed on, we make sure that we have a continuously updated knowledge base of all of these relationship findings, of all of these individual pieces of information that happen to come out in journal articles. And we update these relationships on a weekly basis for publications, as well as on a quarterly basis for things that show up in things like clinical databases. And ultimately, that means that we have over 12.6 million findings powering this uh, essentially knowledge graph. So we can answer questions like what happens if you simulate an increase in a drug, a known inhibitor of EGFR. And from that, we can see what the downstream changes would be predicted to be, uh, both in terms of the genes that EGFR targets, as well as the related functions and diseases that EGFR is involved in. And again, as a reminder, every single connection in IPA is backed by literature findings. So you can always double click on any of these connections to pull up the underlying literature. So for example, here, if I wanted to know what was connecting GFAP and EIF2A, I can see that I have activation and phosphorylation information. And I can also see uh, a quick summary of the findings as well as I can just click this link to open up the full-blown citations. Finally, I mentioned the curated omics data because it's also available from within IPA. So first, for Omicsoft, if you have uh, access to Land Explorer, you can open that up from IPA, and I'll show you how to do that, to look for changes in expression across tissues, across diseases. You can also look at all of these results in our uh, analysis match feature, as well as things like pattern search and activity plot. So ultimately, we have a variety of curated data that we've been collecting over the past 20, 25 years, uh, both uh, from Omicsoft as well as from Ingenuity. And then next, the one other piece of introduction that I wanted to be sure to mention, I just want to highlight what some of the new features are in uh, the summer release. So here, one of the first things that we've finally added to IPA is the ability to search for and filter your pathways. So in IPA, you could always click on this customize chart button in order to uh, reduce uh, or choose what branches of these trees, what branches of these pathways you might be interested in. Now you can go ahead and type in exactly what you want to add or remove. So if you're only interested in cancer-related pathways, type cancer and then hit the checkbox. So this saves a lot of time. Another thing that is particularly interesting in IPA is that we went ahead and added a new uh, way to match uh, between experiments. And so an analysis match, in addition to our existing method, 
which takes advantage of the similarity between experiments for your canonical pathways, your upstream regulators, your downstream diseases and functions. We now have a separate optional method that simply scores things based on whether or not the same genes are present, whether or not the same identifiers happen to be uh, significantly enriched and in the same direction. And what that means is you can very quickly find uh, exactly which genes are similar or different between your condition and other conditions. So for example, here, another thing we can do now is generate a heat map uh, looking at these uh, analysis match results. So for my infleximab versus control ulcerative colitis condition, I can easily see that that is actually very opposite of this Crohn's disease versus normal. And if I wanna know exactly which genes are similar or different between ulcerative colitis, uh, infleximab response, or Crohn's disease, I can just go ahead and quickly plot all of those genes and see what their observed changes are. So this is something that I'll show more in depth during the actual step-by-step uh, -step demo. One other feature that we added to IPA, we actually added these uh, earlier this year, are these machine learning prioritized disease pathways. Essentially, uh, we created around 1,500 different disease networks based on how we think individual diseases are connected to their downstream functions and phenotypes. And in this case, again, all of these connections are backed by literature. It's just that we happen to prioritize them based on uh, machine learning algorithms. And once we've done that, we now make it possible to see in your core analysis results what other disease indications your analysis might be similar to or opposite to. And here, for example, when I was looking at the infleximab ulcerative colitis versus untreated, the opposite of treated versus untreated is going to be a disease versus normal. And it turns out that the most similar disease was this particular item, which turns out to be an inflammatory skin condition, which makes sense. In fact, quite a few of these other diseases happen to be very similar to ulcerative colitis. Finally, we're always adding more content as we curate more things. So here in this latest release for the summer of 2023, we've added an additional 5,000 new Omexoft comparisons, bringing the total up to around 141,000. These data sets and comparisons are also available in Land Explorer. We've also introduced new canonical pathways that our team has created and curated. So these pathways are completely new in IPA, whereas these pathways are pathways that we've updated to now include directionality. And then of course, we're always curating more research findings. So we have almost half a million new research findings, bringing the total up to 12.6 million. So with that, I went ahead and introduced very briefly the use cases that I'll show in depth over the next hour. I showed uh, what kind of data, what kind of relationships underlie IPA's database. 
And then I also showed you just what some of the newest features are in IPA, just to introduce them so you're aware of them as I go ahead and show how to use them in this next portion. Are there any questions so far? Yes, there are a couple of questions. So I think it's worth uh, just reiterating for the people attending today. Um, the, the access to Land Explorer, whether that is part of IPA, whether that is a separate program, how, how would users access uh, Land Explorer? That's a great question. So many users who use IPA, if they happen to also sign up for analysis match, they often also sign up for Land Explorer, which gives you the ability to look at that underlying data. So it is a premium on the basic license, but it's also something that is very commonly selected. If you want to find out whether or not you have access, there are two things that you can do to check. First, uh, you can always ask in the Q&A box. Paul Daniel would be more than happy to help you verify. But also within IPA, we have a link in the top right corner of the IPA window that you can always click to load Land Explorer. And that in a new browser window should bring you to a landing portal for that page. And if you can access this, then it's included in your existing license. Great. So I've launched a speed poll uh, to just to check to see the pace of today's presentation. So feel free to let us know whether today's pace is going fast, going slow. Uh, and what I'm doing in the chat box is for those of you who attend, attended today's training a little bit later, I've copy and pasted today's slides in the chat box. So feel free to download the slides. What I'm also going to do is I'm going to add the IPA certification link in the chat box. So for those of you, who uh, after listening to today's 2023 summer release update, feel like you may benefit from the certification course, please feel free to uh, click on the link to the IP certification and uh, learn more about the program. Um, so with that, there is a question about a best practices protocol for normalization of the data uh, so that the data that is uploaded into IPA is uh, the same as ones that are done in analysis match. So can you go into how analysis match data sets are uh, processed? Sure. So essentially for analysis match, I'll have to double check exactly what cutoffs are used, but the data within Omicsoft is uh, normalized to 70th percentile FPKM. And then the statistical comparisons done between case versus control, those uh, are filtered for the top 1,000 significant results. So we have essentially a set of criteria that we're using to select 1,000 items for the comparison. Just like when you upload to IPA, uh, you are going to be setting your own cutoffs uh, and we usually recommend for RNA-seq to target around one to 3,000, and for data sets in general, anywhere from 100 to 3,000. All right, great. And to the attendee, if you want more additional details, please reach out. I know that Araceli is answering your, uh, 
uh, is uh, answering the question. And for those of you who may have additional questions, please feel free to use the Q&A box in the Zoom configuration uh, control panel. Uh, we, on the call, we have myself, Araceli, Paul, and Deb, who are more than happy to answer any questions you may have. So feel free once again to use that Q&A box to type in any questions you may have throughout the presentation. So with that, uh, back to you, Kyle, uh, take it away. Thank you, Tim. So again, let me go ahead and jump into the actual uh, set of use cases that I would like to be sure to teach you guys today. So I also want to mention that it is possible to follow along if you would like. Although I do intend this demo to be a bit more of a show and tell kind of situation, you're more than welcome to follow along either by manually downloading and reanalyzing the data. In this case, I've provided handy step-by-step -step instructions as well as the example data itself. Or alternately, it turns out that we already have these data sets pre-run and pre-analyzed in IPA. And you can find these in the uh, example analyses under this GSE 73661. And again, feel free to go ahead and go back to the recording and uh, follow along later. And all of these links are in the slides. So next, let me go ahead and show you how to open up comparison analysis. So to do this, I'm going to go ahead and switch to the software. And now that I've opened up the software, I can go ahead and go to my results. So here I have a number of different analyses that I happen to have run as part of this project. So for ulcerative colitis, I have disease versus normal. I have this time course of vetalizumab, and I also have this infliximab response. So in order to go ahead and compare these side by side, I can either highlight several of these here, or I can go to this create new comparison analysis. And once I go to create new comparison analysis, this is where I can go ahead and navigate in the structure and find the exact same experiments. I can select and highlight the experiments that I want to add to my comparison. And importantly, I can also change the order. So here, if I want to move any of these conditions up or down, I can always select these buttons on the side. But overall, I want my first condition to be the disease versus normal, because I'm using this essentially to see as a control which pathways are disease specific. And then once I've loaded those, I then want to look at all of the data I have on betalizumab as a time course, as well as the single infliximab time point. So once I've selected what I want to compare, I can go ahead and hit this view comparison button. And this is going to go ahead and open in a new window uh, a heat map that lets us view all of the features in IPA. So as I mentioned, this is where we have our conditions 
And below is where we happen to be looking at the features, the predicted activity. And based on the tabs at the top, you can see that we have tabs for canonical pathways, upstream analyses, downstream diseases and functions. So in addition, we also have a number of controls that we can use to sort or configure how this is displayed. And here you can see if I scroll, the default sorting method is going to be z-score, basically the strength of our prediction. And in general, we consider a z-score of greater than two or less than negative two to be significant. You can see that on this current scale, many of these pathways have a z-score of five or six. So they have very significant changes in the final time points of vetalizumab or infliximab. If I want to change how this is sorted, I can go to this sort method option here. So currently it's set to score. Trend and trend plus score are great options for choosing a pattern that you expect. So for example, if I happen to expect things to be up in disease and then over time slowly become inhibited, I can always set that trend and resort to find which pathways best match this pattern. And so here, this went ahead and prioritized some of these pathways. Another option that I'm really a fan of is hierarchical clustering. And when you select clustering, in addition to sorting the pathways by clustering, you can also cluster the columns if you happen to be unsure how your data sets might be related to each other. And this is actually really great when customers ask me to help them out on their data, but they don't tell me what they have. So I often will use this just to see what relationships I have between these unidentified data sets. So here, I went ahead and performed hierarchical clustering. And as I scroll down, I can see that there are a number of potentially interesting pathways that I might be interested in. So for example, here I have this S100 family signaling pathway. And this one happens to be near the top. And it also consistently has inhibition across all time points of treatment. If I want to see the details for this pathway, all I need to do is click on one of the boxes on the heat map. So here, I went ahead and clicked on the final box for my infliximab four weeks condition versus control. And this should load the S100 family signaling pathway view here on the right. And you can see this is a rather in-depth pathway. And if we wanted to say switch to a disease view, we can quickly just click on this disease entry and that will show us what it looked like during ulcerative colitis versus normal. If you wanted to look in a bit more detail, in addition to being able to say scroll in or use these arrows to navigate around, 
I personally like using my right mouse button, which will give me the ability to pan as long as I hold that mouse button. This can let you scroll in to see what's going on for, say, neutrophils or neuronocells or other particular uh, parts of this pathway. The other controls that we have, though, are the ability to either open the network to get the full control over what you're displaying and what you're overlaying, or we can load a gene heat map to see which genes are in common across all of these data sets. First, I want to go ahead and click Open Network. When you open a network in IPA, this can be a canonical pathway. This can be a custom pathway that you created from scratch. This will give you the ability to look at many aspects of this uh, pathway. And in addition, we have tools that can let you add additional items. So for example, this overlay tool gives us the ability to choose analyses, datasets, and lists. So currently, the only dataset loaded is the infliximab four to six weeks versus control. But if I want to add more data sets, so again, I want to overlay analyses and data sets, and now I'm going to click Add More. This will allow me to go to my analysis, and here I can go ahead and add all of my vetalizumab time points as well as my disease versus normal time point. So I'm just going to go ahead and highlight these hit OK. Once I do this, I can go ahead and change the order. And after I change the order, this will give me the ability to do a few other things that can really help you compare and contrast your results. So once these are added, I can use these arrow keys to change the order. And in this case, I want to go ahead and make infliximab my last condition so it matches the heat maps that I generated in my comparison analysis. And what this will do is allow me to view below these node charts. And so if I was interested in looking at how a particular gene was expressed across these conditions, I can always scroll in to say S100A8, and then I can click this node chart next to it to see that S100A8 was up in disease and it was down in many of the conditions. Likewise, S100A12 showed a similar effect. S100A9 showed a similar effect. So that's why these pathways happen to be highlighted in this uh, comparison analysis, because we are very consistently across all of these conditions changing the direction of this pathway. And in this case, we happen to be modulating toll-like receptor 4 and uh, downstream NF-kappa-B signaling.
going back to this heat map, so here again, this is where we're in the comparison analysis itself. In the comparison analyses, in addition to looking at the pathway itself by opening network and then choosing to overlay your additional data sets, you can also save a lot of time by going to gene heat map. And this gene heat map is going to load a heat map of all of the genes that are significantly up or down and past cutoff in at least one of the six conditions. So here for this pathway, I can see I have a number of piecemeal genes that just happen to be up or down in a handful. And then way at the bottom, I can see that by my default sorting method of expression, this is where I have some of the stronger expression changes and some of the more consistent expression changes. Just like before, in addition to sorting by expression or trend, I can also sort by hierarchical clustering. And this can help at a glance pull out potentially interesting results. So as an example, NOS2 is a gene that was very much consistently down across all of the treatment conditions and up in the disease condition. And so if I wanted to, I could go ahead and just mark that down. I could go ahead and write it on a piece of paper. And that would be something that I would likely be interested in following up on. If I wanted to look more directly at NOS2, you'll notice that all of these genes have links. So if I click on the link itself, that's actually going to load up a page telling me what does NOS2 do? And so here I can see that NOS2 is nitric oxide synthesase 2. I can see what cellular compartments it happens to be located in, what pathways it happens to be involved in. And then if I scroll down, I can see what roles it might have in terms of regulating other protein, binding other proteins, and uh, being significantly uh, present or involved in disease. I also want to point out that this gene report is one of the methods to access Land Explorer. In fact, this is probably my favorite way to get to some of these public data sets. So just to go ahead and make sure that I show this at least one more time, I'm going to close this window. And then I'm also going to close this gene heat map. So here I'm looking at various canonical pathways that happen to be significantly activated or inhibited based on predictions in IPA across these conditions. And let's say I scroll down a little bit and I notice I have IL-33 signaling pathway. If I happen to open up this pathway, I can load the gene heat map, which will show me all of the genes that were significantly up or down in your observation in at least one of these six conditions. And once I open this gene heat map, this will let you sort and view what genes seem to be shared in common 
between these conditions within that specific pathway. And so in this particular example, something that I might be interested in looking at might be ILR, uh, IL1RN. I might be interested in CXCL8. Likewise, if I scroll down, there might be another uh, set of proteins that are of interest. So here, KLK6 might be something that I'm curious about. If you do find a gene or a protein of interest, all you need to do is click on the link, the blue link for the gene, and that will load up this report page. And once you click on this report page, you can find Omicsoft Land Explorer sample level experimental data. And this is where you'll have access to a variety of RNA-seq public data for things like normal tissue. So how is uh, KLK6 expressed across human tissue? Or let's say, how is KLK expressed across tumor samples within TCGA? Or how is KLK expressed in various human, mouse, and rat disease experiments? So before I continue further, I think that now is going to be a good time to pause and take some additional questions before I jump into Land Explorer and show you the kinds of things that you can do within Land Explorer. Absolutely. And thank you, Kyle, for, uh, for that wonderful section. And thank you to the attendees for using the Q&A box to ask us many wonderful questions, whether that's about IPA certification course or whether there are those are questions are regarding some of the analysis and the analytics in IPA. So one question that did come up was, how do you adjust or change your analysis if you observe that the clustering of the columns in the comparison analysis, um, if they are different from what is expected? So can you is it easy to change the parameters for the analysis for for to run your core analysis? That is a good question. So in terms of the display, something that I will point out is that you do have the ability to change uh, what cutoffs are for the levels of color. So for example, in addition to the gene heat map here, if I wanted to, I can go ahead and change the coloring to more uh, closely reflect what might be significant and to help really point out just how strongly inhibited these pathways are. You can change whether or not you're showing z-score or p-value for all of these pathways, which will in turn influence how they're clustered. And then finally, we have these filter tools, which we can use to, for example, filter which pathways we are looking at, and also to set cutoffs. I noticed in the Q&A box, someone noticed that one of the new features, uh, that ability to use the search bar to uh, filter down pathways that you're viewing, that search bar is not present yet in comparison analysis. So good eye, we will get that feature request added. But once you filter these pathways uh, further, let's say, for example, I want to add a Z-score cutoff of four, 
that is going to reduce the number of items present. And when you do that, it will also redo the clustering, which can change the ordering in how these things are displayed. And for those users who are uh, working with IPA, if there are additional features and enhancements that you would love to see in the program, please feel free to contact our technical support team and let them know what features you would love to see in IPA. And what I've done is I have typed in the our technical support email, and it's going to be ts-bioinformatics at kaiju.com. So feel free to let them know any issues or any features, enhancements, et cetera, that you may have for IPA. So there are two more questions here, Kyle. The first one is, once the report page link is opened, uh, do I still need to be logged into IPA to navigate within that reports page? That answer is yes. Uh, so in particular, something that many IPA users will experience is the fact that we have a somewhat aggressive time limit to make sure that you're still there using the software, because we want to make sure that you're not taking a, a licensed seat away from, say, another colleague at your university or company. If you happen to be logged out of IPA, you will also not be able to click or navigate uh, on any of these pages. And if you refresh, it'll actually give you an error. So. If you happen to see results that you are extremely interested in, you can always print this page as a PDF or say copy and paste some of the relevant information into uh, your own notes. And one last question, how do you, can you customize colors of the networks in IPA? The answer is you can customize some things uh, for IPA in terms of color and to get there, you would actually go to the file menu and go to preferences. So here, if I go to file preferences and then application preferences, this is going to load a window that gives me several display options in IPA. One option that I want to be sure to point out is that you can increase the system memory allocated to IPA. So by default, IPA chooses a small number but nowadays it's very common to have eight gigabytes or 16 gigabytes of RAM, feel free to give IPA some more breathing room. Here, this is where you can click on any of these colors to change what the display should be. The only colors that we don't let you change are the orange and blue. So orange and blue will always reflect predicted increase or predicted decrease. But if you need to change the expression log ratio to be something like magenta and cyan, you can go ahead and change that. And once you do, that will ultimately change uh, new windows as you open them up. Great. So I think. Uh... You have additional slides that you would like to present. Um, so uh, thank you for that. Um, for those attendees who may have additional questions, please feel free to use the Q&A box. Once again, we have myself, Paul, Araceli, and Dev on the call to help you with any scientific or any licensing questions you may have. Uh, one question was in regards to IPA certification. If you're interested in IPA certification, 
please shoot us um, a, a private chat. We'll be more than happy to help you uh, get started with the IPA certification. So with that, uh, uh, hand it back to you, Kyle, to do the last section of today's uh, webinar. Awesome, thank you, Tim. So as I showed before, if I happen to have opened this pathway and saw a gene that I was potentially interested in, I can click the blue link to load the corresponding entry. So here, for example, the information that I would get for this uh, IL-33 signaling pathway is not going to be gene-specific. But if I happen to be looking at this entry, I can load the gene heat map in order to pull up a list of genes. So here, clicking this gene heat map would load the relevant gene in a window. You can also get to this kind of view by clicking on things like molecules, which is IPA's way of describing a network node. And so here, molecules is going to show you all of the nodes from your observed data sets. So for example, I mentioned KLK6 was the factor that I'm presently curious about. So if I click on this link, that too will open up this view. The third way that I want to show how to get to this view is actually just using the search bar here at the top. And using the search bar, you can very easily search for genes, chemicals, diseases and functions, pathways that either we created or you created, and then also data sets and analyses from those Omicsoft collections. So let's say you were curious about KLK6. You can always type KLK6 here and hit search. And when you do this, this will show all of the related potential matches. And here you can see that KLK6 happens to be the overall specific uh, peptidase that I'm interested in. So I can go ahead and click on that same style of link to again, load the same style of page. And once you're here, again, if you go and scroll a little bit further down, this is where you'll find these Omicsoft Land Explorer uh, sample level experimental data information. So we arrange things by data type. So if you wanna look at RNA-seq expression or microarray expression, you can go ahead and look at these rows. If on the other hand, you're interested in looking at single cell data, you can also go down to the bottom and see uh, in single cell data repositories, what kind of things you would expect. So here to start with, I wanna load RNA-seq expression and I want to load it from this normal tissue column. So I'm going to go ahead and open GTEx, which is a solid tissue repository. And here, when I open GTEx by clicking that link, it's actually going to pull up this gene directly and make it really easy to then modify this view to see where is this gene expressed. So as an example, the way that this view is organized, 
at the top left, we have what we call a land, which is our way of saying a database or a collection of experiments. And if you happen to click on this view, you happen to see we have a number of different collections. We have the body map collection for various repositories of human tissue. We have the cell line collection for various normal cell lines, as well as other commercially available resources. We have the disease land collection for primarily non-cancer human mouse or rat disease. So here, ulcerative colitis would be present in human disease. And then finally, we have a large number of cancer-related repositories. In addition to the land selection, we also have this window where you can type in a different gene. So once you're done looking at KLK6, if you're interested in something else, you can always search for it. So for example, if I wanted to, I could change this to NOS2. And once I do, I can click it from this drop-down menu and then hit this red search button. And that will load the result. This third item is the view. And here we're looking at gene FPKM. And gene FPKM is our way of saying RNA-seq expression details. We have a number of different types of data and views available, which I'm not going to get into today, but one of those views is pre-computed comparisons to find when is this gene significantly up or down across uh, tissues or across diseases. And then finally, we have a variety of filters on the left and grouping tools on the top to tweak this figure. So here, I searched for NOS2 by just typing it into the search bar. And at a glance, I can already see that there is a wide range of expression, but it seems to be uh, relatively higher in small intestine when compared to, say, other things like stomach, spleen, pancreas, liver. If I wanted to filter this view, I can always go here to the side and choose to focus on an individual category. So let's say under this tissue section, I might be interested in only looking at intestinal tissue. So this is where I can go ahead and choose small intestine. I can also choose colon if I want to include large intestine information. And once I've selected these two, I can go ahead and hit apply. And this is going to limit my view just to the tissues that I filtered for. Once I've done this, I can also change the grouping. So currently I'm looking at the tissue level, but I can also change this to look at the tissue detail level, which is a GTEx specific annotation to get into the various sub tissues within these overall categories. So this is going to split the colon into sigmoid and transverse. In this case, the small intestine remains relatively uniform, but this is telling me that the sigmoid colon likely has a lower expression profile for this particular gene. And 
finally, if I want to see exactly where these uh, experiments are from, who did them, what is the source, I can always draw a box around and highlight these specific samples. And so here, for example, this is giving me the sample ID and all of the experimental details for each individual sequencing experiment contributing to this. So each dot represents a gene FPKM result from a single sequencing experiment, meaning just at a glance, we're looking at hundreds of sequencing experiments that you don't have to do yourself because other people have already done them. So that is one of the big things that uh, Omics Soft Land Explorer can make really handy. Uh, and that is just to, at a glance, ask and answer questions like, where is my gene of interest expressed? So here, I'm going to close this tab because I want to go back to this KLK6 view. And once I go back to this KLK6 gene report from IPA, this is where I might be interested in focusing on disease studies instead. So here, rather than looking in solid tissue, I might want to see how is this gene, KLK6, expressed across different human disease samples. So when I click on that human disease link, that is going to load a new Land Explorer window. In this case, I'm looking at the human disease collection, which in this case, all of these experiments are from public repositories like GEO and SRA. These are scientist published experiments. And then once this view is loaded, we will have all of the curated metadata for things like what disease category was studied or what tissue category was studied. And this is where having these filters can be really important because we are currently looking at every single human disease. And ultimately we might only be wanting to look at things related to say a gastrointestinal or an inflammatory condition. So to filter that down, one thing I like doing is in addition to the sample level metadata, we also have project level metadata. And in this project level information, this is where in theory, I could go ahead and search for a specific project or something published by a specific author. But this also has specific information about say therapeutic area or the disease that was studied in this particular project. And just to answer the question that popped up in the chat, does the dot represent a single sample or a single experiment? In this case, each dot is representing a specific uh, sample. So let's say I happen to highlight this cluster of four or so different uh, samples. This will pull up this window and I can see that for each one of these, these are the individual sample IDs. And then from this sample ID, this is where I would be able to go search on SRA or GEO uh, and load the associated study.
But here, let me filter this down first. So the first set of filters I'm going to use are going to be the therapeutic area filters. And so here, I'm going to go ahead and hit check none. And this is where I can go ahead and choose something like uh, this gastro particular uh, disease area. And so if I select that as a potential project, I can then hit apply for the filters and see what disease categories remain. What kind of information do I now have once I've filtered that down? And so here I can see for these various disease categories, I have things like inflammatory bowel disease. I have normal control samples because every experiment will have, every uh, study will have matched normal controls. Uh, I also have the ability to change the grouping. So in addition to disease category, I can also switch this to disease state. And this is going to let me see for each individual item am I able to find the disease that I'm specifically interested in? And here I can see that this therapeutic area does contain ulcerative colitis as well as Crohn's disease. I also have both normal and disease controls, which happen to be samples that do not have the uh, ulcerative colitis or the Crohn's disease. Uh, so these are controls that are used uh, often when comparing these samples. Finally, once I have created this profile, there is one other level that I can use to actually sort uh, and split this information. So currently, just a reminder, I've filtered by therapeutic area, so I'm only looking at gastro-related diseases. I changed the grouping to disease state so I can see the specific diseases uh, here. The final thing that I can do is I can go to trellis. And when I go to trellis, this is going to give me the ability to choose any of these metadata fields. And here, I want to trellis by tissue. Trellis is our word for splitting one chart into many charts. And so here, when I trellis by tissue, I can see that I have now split all of my samples based on the tissue. And if I scroll down, you can see I've started with bile duct, I have uh, ileum, I have colon. And then at the bottom, I have the ability to load all charts. So this will go ahead and load all of the samples if you're satisfied with that initial view. But right now I can already see that KLK6 seems to be relatively low in normal control colon, it's low in disease control colon, it's low in Crohn's disease colon. However, it is really increased in ulcerative colitis. So this already is a really cool result because I now have a biomarker, KLK6, that I know is specific to ulcerative colitis, and it's not present in related diseases. But since I loaded all of those charts, 
something I like doing is just scrolling kind of quickly because sometimes results are just really obvious. For example, KLK6 is uh, significantly up in ileum in Crohn's disease. Or likewise, I can see that uh, these particular samples, uh, the disease control and the celiac disease have a different profile for these organoids. So just being able to scan through these various experiments is really, really cool. And going back up to that result that we saw in colon, this is where if I wanted to know where these samples are from, I would be able to change my filters to recreate this chart without the trellis. So here I'm going to go back to the sample filters and I'm going to filter the tissue for colon. And once I do that, I have to remove the trellis in order to regain that functionality. So I'm scrolling up to no trellis. And now I can finally draw a box around these ulcerative colitis samples to see what are their sample IDs? And once I have these, I can go ahead and export these very easily to Excel. So here, now that I have the list of the 74 sample identifiers, I can now search GEO for those IDs. So just very briefly going back to slides, I wanted to be sure to point out that there are many ways to access Land Explorer from within IPA. One option is to click from the main window you can open this portal by clicking Land Explorer. At that point, you'd have to manually select a database, but this is a way to get into Land Explorer. Otherwise, if you are searching for any kind of gene or you see a link for a gene, you can always click that to open the gene search results and the gene-specific report. And that will then let you click on any of these disease-specific or normal tissue links for RNA-seq uh, expression across public data. If you happen to be using other features in IPA, you can also click many of these other links to open up, say, the comparison specifically. So when I show analysis match, I'll point out that it's possible to actually load up a volcano plot of the raw results. And then again, once you're in Land Explorer, the typical workflow is going to be selecting a land, choosing the gene you're interested in, choosing the view, and then finally taking advantage of filters and grouping. 
So for the final part of today's presentation, I want to be sure to spend some time talking about analysis match. And analysis match is a different way to get context for your experiment. So rather than searching for individual genes or trying to create a, dream, a gene signature, analysis match is actually using your entire study as the query. And from that query, it's going to search all of your pre-computed Omicsoft comparisons, as well as any previous IPA analyses that you've run. So going back to the software, I'm going to go ahead and close a few of these windows just to clean things up. And once I've done that, I'm going to go ahead and load a specific uh, pathway or a specific analysis, excuse me. So here, for example, I've been using this infliximab versus control. So I'm going to go ahead and double click infliximab four to six weeks versus control. And once I open this view, this is how you would normally look at a single analysis in IPA. So the key pathways, upstream analyses, downstream diseases and functions, these are all listed here. And towards the end, we have analysis match, which is the really powerful feature that I want to show today. When you click analysis match, by default, IPA is going to look at all of these similar experiments and it's going to base similarity based on your canonical pathways, your upstream regulators, your causal networks, your downstream diseases. And then finally, it's going to take an average of those four scores to create this second to last z-score column. And here, again, I'm looking at infliximab four to six weeks versus control. And I can already see that my top several results don't have public metadata because they happen to be my own experiments. So here, I'm going to go ahead and just scroll in to show uh, an example of what experiments uh, were my top results. And so here, it turns out I've run this experiment several times, tweaking settings. So I have perfect infliximab four to six week versus control run in a different setting. I also happen to have things like uh, infliximab responder versus non-responder, vetalizumab responder versus non-responder, vetalizumab versus control uh, in multiple experiments, and then duplicates of those various conditions. So in this case, this is working perfectly because infliximab has a very similar activity profile to vetalizumab. And likewise, I would expect uh, infliximab responders uh, to have a healthy uh, response to the drug, whereas the non-responders are going to look more like a disease control. In addition to these results of your own, you also get public results. And so what do I mean by these public results? Let's say, for example, I am curious about this particular item. 
I have a number of metadata fields available, which will let me see exactly what I'm looking at. But in particular, the term that I want to focus on is this response, this comparison contrast field, because this field represents exactly what the comparison is. And as you can see, this top result is treatment status and fliximab response versus no response. I do want to give the caveat. It turns out it's from the exact same study. So again, IPA is doing its job. Here, we finally have a different study. And this is where, uh, curiously, uh, we are currently looking at uh, a placebo experiment and this appears to be using ulcerative colitis. So if I was interested in seeing exactly how these compare, one option would be to, uh, let's say, open this as a comparison and compare it directly. However, one of the new things I can do is I can view it as a heat map. So if I click this view as a heat map button, here, I'm just selecting this one condition. This is going to go ahead and load all of the analysis match signatures and show me what were the top entities, the top items when comparing and contrasting these two completely different experiments. So here, by default, it's sorting by clustering. And I can see that, for example, one of the similarities is this KLF6 kind of causal network. If I happen to click on any one of these entries, this is going to let me see how these are similar. However, at the top, we have our new analysis-ready genes. These analysis-ready genes are going to allow me to view all of the genes from my condition that were significantly up or down, so all of my observed significant genes. And then I can see exactly how those genes uh, behaved in both of these different conditions. So that is one way to view information from analysis match. In addition, if I close this heat map, I want to go ahead and show that I can also load a large number of potentially similar experiments at the same time. So let's say, for example, I select several of these top results and view as a heat map. This is going to let me view the comparison analysis results uh, and see what the top similarities and differences were between infliximab treatment versus these other experiments involving Crohn's disease, involving obesity, involving asthma. And here again, 
IPA is loading the results and it's going to cluster them by default. And if I happen to be interested in any of these particular items, I can always click that specific item. So for example, if I wanted to see what genes are in common, this is where I can go ahead and click this particular result. And this is going to load the gene heat map for essentially how did my infliximab ulcerative colitis genes appear in this different uh, Crohn's disease study. The last thing that I want to be sure that I show, I'm going to just mention as a slide, and then I will go ahead and show on screen what I mean. So here, the great thing about analysis matches, we're looking at directional signatures. So let's say you have given your uh, diseased sample some sort of treatment. The beginning the baseline condition is going to be one of disease. In this case, these are going to be unhealthy with ulcerative colitis. But as either vedolizumab or infliximab take effect, those samples, those subjects are going to become happy, become healthy, whereas they started in a disease state. So because of that, if you happen to be looking at a treatment versus no treatment as your starting condition, the opposite of that is going to be disease versus normal. Because the opposite of becoming healthy using a set of pathways is going to be becoming unhealthy using the same pathways. So here, I can see that many of these top results happen to be other treatments. But if I instead look at the opposite results by clicking on this Z-score to change the sorting, this can potentially give me a list of related indications that might be treatable with infliximab. So as an example, I can see that the opposite signature happens to be ulcerative colitis versus normal control in this different study, I can also see that I have a variety of different uh, inflammatory conditions. I have atopic dermatitis as a potential uh, condition, rheumatoid arthritis as a, as a potential condition, and Crohn's disease as a very frequently appearing condition. So if I was interested in looking at things that infliximab might be useful for, that would be one way to do this. Likewise, let's say you have an animal model or a cell line model of a disease, and you want to see how similar is your model to actual clinical samples. Again, you can load your disease versus normal condition and then pull up analysis match. And this will let you know what other samples are similar from the public domain. 
So here, when I load these ulcerative colitis disease versus normal analysis match results, this is going to show me a number of other diseases that look very similar. So here I have ulcerative colitis, I have Crohn's disease, I have other uh, relevant immune inflammatory conditions. And then finally, the last thing that I will show is this optional column. If we sort by this instead, this will provide a different type of matching. So rather than sorting and matching based on the signatures of your canonical pathways and upstream regulators, instead, we can simply sort by, are the genes themselves similar? And when we sort by that method, it turns out that that is a surprisingly useful way to find similar samples from the exact same tissue. So here, pretty much all of these top results are from the exact same tissue, the same colonic mucosa. And in addition, pretty much all of the top results with the exception of one or two Crohn's disease samples, these are pretty much all enriched for ulcerative colitis. So ultimately, there are many ways to look at these public studies, to sort these public studies. And then once you find them, you can always ask what genes are similar across these, which genes are different? And are there any patterns that I can exploit to say filter down and choose just a handful of genes uh, as opposed to being stuck analyzing a thousand or more candidates? So just to summarize what I showed in today's training, I gave you a brief introduction to what our curated content looks like and also what some of the new features are in the 2023 summer release. For the use case itself, I showed you in depth, how do you launch a comparison analysis? And you can do that just by going to the create new button in the top left and then choosing your analyses for the comparison. Once you click on a pathway, a regulator of interest, something that was predicted up or down, you can load a gene heat map to see how do your individual observed changes contribute to that prediction and which ones are in common. So rather than looking at just a piecemeal set of genes that are changing, you can instead focus on the overall broad pattern. I showed you how to open Land Explorer, and the slides, if you download them, do have those handy reminders on the various ways to access all of the gene and tissue disease-specific information contained within. And then finally, I showed you how to use Analysis Match to find similar or opposite studies to your original results. So with that, I want to go ahead and stop and find out if there are any extra questions at the end, and also to remind you that we always appreciate feedback and we always uh, welcome creating follow-up sessions. So go ahead and shoot us an email if you have any questions or ask them right now. All right, so while uh, attendees are typing in their questions in the Q&A box, uh, one thing that did come to mind, Kyle, is is there a way to get 
the statistics in Land Explorer for a particular comparison, let's say? That is a good question. Uh, the answer is yes. In this case, if I happen to say search for that gene of interest, here I happen to just be loading up Land Explorer again. Once you open up Land Explorer to some sort of gene expression view where you have box plots visible, it should allow you to click to show a p-value. And if for whatever reason that option isn't visible, there are other ways to access those types of comparisons. So here for this initial plot, although we are looking at pretty much every KLK6 experimental result, I can click show p-value. And this is going to show me the ANOVA p-value for variation across all of these particular items. So if you happen to filter this down so you're only looking at two, that p-value will still be an ANOVA-style test, but it will correspond to the pairwise comparison. Excellent, great. And is there a way for users to take an image of this for their publication or presentation? Absolutely. So here in the top right, uh, we have some controls that let you do things like download this plot as a PNG. Alternately, if you happen to download the data itself, it will give you all of the relevant FPKM information to actually generate your own plots if you instead want to use Excel or R. Great. And uh, there are a lot of lands here in the Land Explorer collection. How would users get snippets of what each land uh, contains? So that is a great question. So when you're looking at all of these lands, if you want to see what kind of information is contained within them. Honestly, one thing that I would probably do is go to this help menu because this is going to pull up the overall documentation that we have for Land Explorer. And with that, this is going to let you know what kind of views do we have. And then also when you're using Land Explorer, uh, what are some of the particular contents within? Here at the top, if I click on this land information, this is going to show me details for Oncoland, Disease Land, and Single Cell Lands. So this would be where you could get information about what is present in each of these items, as well as what are some potential options. So like if you happen to be looking at GTEx, uh, what are potential options and features that you can use. Great, great. Well, thank you very much, Kyle, once again, for that wonderful presentation. Thank you, Araceli, Dev, and Paul for answering scientific as well as licensing questions. Um, thank you to the attendees for attending today's 
uh, webinar. And remember, please don't let this be the last time that we interact with one another. Feel free to email us to schedule a follow-up, or if you have any questions, uh, we're more than happy to help you out with your research questions. So let's give it another 30 seconds or so uh, in case uh, attendees are still typing their questions, and then we'll close out the session. <laughs>